Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This Saturday, the fifth of June, you're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm James Barry, and I'm Pierre Morrow. And another beautiful sunny day out there. And、uh, first Saturday of June, Giselle and Radiothon is coming up soon. But we'll talk more about about that later. And I think we've actually got some donations already, but I don't have a tally as yet. But the, so so that is what we call in this business the height of non-information. Pierre, you just said I've got some things, but I don't know what they are, so I can't tell you what they are. That's pretty much what you just said. Is working from home getting to you, Giselle? <laughs> I, I think for the for the for our international listeners, you know, we have been on a new lockdown in a week, and you know, some people are feeling the mental health strain of it. But you know, we we understand, we support our our comrades. Oh, so, why? Thank you. I just and, I just need to keep the game up, you know. Like I, at least this lockdown, we can still come into the studio and do our show face to face. I I appreciate our together time, Pierre. That's right. That's right. And, and Sorry, poor, James. While you、uh, just sit there looking on at this、uh, historic battle between us, I was just going to. I was just going to mention that as well. Anyway, but、uh, APC, who is it brought to you by? That's right. Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's dot a a w l dot org dot a u. We're on social media,、uh, so look us up on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and we will continue to post news and information about the labour movement across Asia on our Facebook and Twitter pages. That's right, and on it's just on、um, three past nine o'clock. And thanks for so that breakfast for a very interesting show again. And、um, I can't actually remember what that music was. I'm sorry. I, I have a、uh, funny feeling.、Uh, Annie, as she walked out of the studio, told us it was called Smile. It was not quite a smiley song. No, no, no. But、uh, anyway, I won't.、Uh, it did flash there up there, and, and on, but I did forget. So I was too busy talking to my uh, uh, my panelists here, my colleagues, to work out what we're going to do today because our interview fell through at the last minute. So、I、we will, do have a news roundup. I will tell listeners though what we are intending. So what the story was that we couldn't get today that we'll hopefully have for you next week. We have been trying to talk to our comrades in India, and as many of you know, the situation is horrendous over there.、Uh, a number of our comrades have COVID. A number of the union leaders that we would otherwise have spoken to, we have discovered, have passed away from COVID. So、um, we we are trying to talk to our friends and comrades over there, but、uh, not only are they dealing with a pandemic itself, but Grieving some very very valuable comrades that have actually died during the pandemic.、Um, there is a lot happening. The workers' movement is organising. They have a set of demands that they are wanting to share internationally. So、uh, we will hopefully have an opportunity to speak with them and bring you that story next week. 
That's right. And I think that really shows that um, the COVID-19 pandemic, while, you know, the the refrain from our leaders is that we're all in it together, really affects workers and marginalised um, sectors much more, either because we're more exposed to it, because we work in those sectors, uh, often casualised. Um, usually the health uh, status of marginalised and poorer people is lower in the first place. And thirdly, um, we often can't um, isolate. We have to keep working. And also then um, our um, health options are often much worse than people who are richer. So uh, if you look around the world, it's it's actually the, the working classes have really been very hit very hard and just to take what uh, I know you're just about to yeah to I wanted to, to add go on is uh, it's interesting because I think the 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 union movement the the our our class in in a general sense I'm sure there are um, uh, exceptions just haven't been prepared politically at what this pandemic has has meant and to actually have political demands and actually how to organise on a, in, a, in a class way. I, I completely agree with you. I wanted to uh, just to look at um, something that, we, and this is, uh, listeners, this is all inside the discussion about India, which we will bring you next week. And um, we're even, we're actually considering a public meeting about this issue just because it's so significant. Um, I agree that the, the pandemic hits the working class harder. But uh, our focus on the working class is because as socialists, as Marxists, we believe that it's the working class that has the force, the power to defeat capitalism. But actually, if you look in India right now, it's not that class that is worst hit. The underclass is actually more severely hit in India. When I was talking with Deepti, our comrade, in Mumbai, and when AAWL has gone on solidarity visits to Mumbai, Deepti has given us, has introduced us to some of the slums where you have the day labourers. These are people who stand on the street every day with their tools attached to their hips um, and beg for work daily, what we call the day labourers, but they live in slums. When I was speaking to Deepti in preparation for the interview, one of the things she said was that. COVID is just ripping through the slums. I mean, it, it is, it's devastating. And though I don't think that the underclass or the lumpen proletariat are the force in society with the greatest amount of power to defeat capitalism, I certainly think a, an alliance of the workers and the underclass, an alliance of the workers and uh, the oppressed is what is required to, to um to defeat capitalism. Yeah, yeah, look, totally. And um, although I would, I would, I would argue that those day labourers are part of the working class. But how you define the working mm, class okay. and the underclass and even the lumpent proletariat, it could, it could be another discussion yeah, that's for right. another. Okay. We'll just leave it here. But how about if we go to the? Um, they're all good points to think about. Um, news? news. Shall we go straight all to right, the who's news? Who's got the first one out of the lot of us? So workers in Bangladesh facing terrible repression. In mid-April, Bangladeshi police attacked and fired on workers demonstrating outside the under-construction the under construction Banjkali coal power plant in Chattogram, killing seven workers and injuring dozens others. The workers were demanding the payment of unpaid wages, reduced working hours for the holy month of Ramadan and better working conditions. Unfortunately, this is not the first time the workers have been killed at this site. In another industrial dispute, 13 union leaders are facing life imprisonment on extortion charges for demanding arrears for the workforce of Versatile Attire, a garment supplier.
Last month, the company closed down suddenly to relocate elsewhere and so around 200 workers lost their jobs. The company then refused to pay the workers' wages for the previous two months. The union representing the workers initiated a campaign to pressure the company to give the workers the money they are owed, but the company in early May instigated the police to arrest 13 union leaders as outside agitators and paid thugs. I think that's a very good example of uh, what happens to our um, comrades around the the world and how bad the repression is. Uh, We now go to Myanmar, where the resistance continues to the military coup. This week, the military junta reopened all public schools in Myanmar in an effort to bring an air of normality to the country. Reports indicate that up to 90% of students stayed away, while 30% of all teachers have actually been suspended for anti-coup activities over the last few months. Since the coup in early February, over 100 uh, Burmese journalists have either been arrested or have had warrants filed against them as well. (coughs) Um, In this climate of repression and resistance, the number of armed community defence units has also been steadily increasing. It has been estimated that at the start of June there were at least 60 of such groups in addition to the already formed armed ethnic forces that operate in the border regions of Myanmar. And moving now to the shipbreaking yards of Pakistan. Labor activists are reporting that at the Ghadani shipbreaking yards in Pakistan, scores of workers have got sick after working on one particular ship. The ship in question was a floating storage and offloading tanker named the JNAT that has been wandering the world's oceans for at least a year as country after country banned its entry. This ship has been recognised to be highly toxic, with dangerous hazardous substances in its steel structures, ballast waters, uh, oil slops and oil sludges. Workers have already suffered injuries removing mercury-laden oil sludge, but local unions were successful in persuading local authorities to halt any further work. Authorities are now investigating the yard owner, Duan Rizwan, a former chairman of the Ghadani Shipbreaking Owners Association, who has a record of disregarding workers' health and safety. To South Korea now, where a truck driver has been crushed to death. Last week, Mr Jang, a truck driver, was crushed to death by 300 kilograms of compressed rubbish that fell on him when he was opening the door of the container. The incident happened at the Sanyong CNB paper mill in Jochiwon and Sejong City. Unfortunately, this is not this, this is the only un, unfortunately this is only the latest of a series of fatal accidents in the last 18 months involving truck drivers and their loads. The Korean Public Service and the Transport Workers Union claim that these deaths are the result of outsourcing and cost reduction. Companies have to cut back on safety, personnel and equipment at loading centres, forcing truck drivers to handle their loads themselves, a task that they are not trained to do and in workplaces in which they are unfamiliar. The union is demanding that the government puts a ban on cargo drivers being involved in loading and unloading of their loads. It really just shows that all around the world the, the issues that we face are the same. And another case of repression, unfortunately, we go to India where last week the 33-year-old journalist Asif Sultan reached the uh, unfortunate milestone of a 1,000 days in an Indian, Indian jail in Srinagar in Kashmir state. He has yet to face trial and um, Sultan has been detained under the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act, a stringent anti-terror law in India. 
when Sultan was arrested in 2018, police focused their interrogation on one article that he wrote, he wrote early in the year about the uh, militant Kashmir independence fighter Buwan Wani for the magazine that he wrote. Um, the article was actually about the, the killing of Buwan Wani. Authorities have accused of Sultan of harbouring and aiding terrorism, a charge that he, his family and colleagues deny. In reality, um, his arrest and continued detention by Indian authorities is part of a campaign to suppress any independent reporting out of the disputed state of Kashmir. Both the International Federation of Journalists and Human Rights Watch have called for Sultan's immediate release. And much closer to home, another major company in Australia has been found to be underpaying workers. The Spanish global fashion retail giant, Zara, is now the latest major company that's been exposed as systematically underpaying its workers. Initial estimates put the underpayments of workers and of other monetary entitlements at over $2.5 million. Zara has now joined other major retail companies such as Woolworths, Coles, Super Retail Group and David Jones, who have underpaid its workforce over the last few years. Well, um, well, the, the most recent one to be exposed as underpaying its workers, we know that uh, probably, if uh, if there was a, a systematic review and a royal commission, dare I say, I'm not that I'm actually not calling for a royal commission, um, but I think we would discover that just about every company underpays its workers, and I don't mean at the level of Marxist analysis of exploitation um, of surplus labour. I, I mean not paying the the, the agreed the, amount. Sorry, the agreed amount. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The legislated minimum wage. That's right. That's right. All right. It's uh, just on four. 14 past 9 o'clock, we'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll be back here on Asia Pacific Currents, brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links on your favourite community radio station, 3CR. I really am not understanding why people aren't seeing the fact that prisons are an integral part of a public health response to a pandemic. Like you, I'm really concerned about whether the data is being released very honestly about illnesses within prison. I have suspicions it's not, but really we need very strong leadership in this country that actually cares about people inside, our most vulnerable populations inside. That's what we need and that's not what we're getting right now. We need to keep radical voices on air Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. Workers United will overcome. Workers United never be defeated. Workers United will overcome. Workers United never be defeated. We are the people who make things run. Workers United never be cheated. Protect your rights that were hard fought and won. Stand up. Fight for workers' autonomy. We are the engines of the economy. Those who are poor are in a minority. 
didn't play the end of it. Well, was, Is that I where was, it ended? That's where it ended. Oh, Giselle, that's terrible. You told me to wait. To I know. Wait, and I then know. we've got that air. And the, people will think that it's my fault. It, it is actually, your fault. We all know that it was your fault. Yeah. That song um, you let me is down called... the garden path <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a dead end. That was by an Australian band called I, E-Y-E, if you want to look them up. And that track was called Workers United. And actually on their three-track, whatever you want to call it, CD... That song ends with some chanting um, from the MUA picket in of 1998. Um, and for those of you who are familiar with the characters of the Melbourne labour movement, there's some distinct um, sounds of Dave Karen uh, at the end of that. So I'm disappointing that 3CR cut that off in order to uh, make it easier for us to play. Thank you, 3CR, and also disappointing. That's right. And it's uh, 19 past 9 o'clock here on Asia Pacific Currents. Uh, James, um, the, Israel's got a new government. Uh, hasn't That's right. quite got a uh, vote of confidence yet. But before we talk about what it means for Palestinians and what it means for to, for the region, can you give us a, a quick um, rundown of um, who this new government is and all the various parties in it? Well, the main parties, uh, the main actors are Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid, who are both uh, right-wing, uh, right-wing 
Um, very right. I, yes, I mean they're basically the same as Benjamin Netanyahu. They've been in Netanyahu's governments before. They've served in his cabinet, and essentially the only reason why they aren't forming government with him is because he's burnt both of them. Like many people, like Avigdor Lieberman, who's also who represents the Russian community, who's also very uh, right wing. They've decided they're not going to work with him anymore. So they formed an alternative government based on that. And really, Bibi's uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's main objective is to prevent himself from going to jail. So that's why he was desperate to form form government. And he is a master politician in the true Machiavellian sense. Uh, he will say one thing to anybody. He he can convince people that he'll give them something in return if they are willing to give a bit of credibility and be with him. But yeah, they haven't actually signed off on it yet. And Netanyahu will work to the very end. He's very good at getting defectors from governments. Now, I, I'm assuming, and you can uh, correct me, that the current coalition out of uh, 120 Knesset seats has actually got a majority of one. Yeah, it's 61. They've got 61 uh, out of all the uh, the different parties they've put together. And they have a mix of the uh, the religious right as well, uh, the settler community, community alongside the uh, the Palestinian community. So um, let's let's assume that um, that actually survived the confidence vote in the next couple of weeks. What does this government actually stand for? Well, they want to undo some of what Netanyahu has has. Uh, been doing, but they more or less stand for the same things. So some of the speculation that I've seen is that they're going to slow down settlements, but uh, that's only because of uh, undoing the, the the way that Netanyahu was doing it. They're not opposed to settlements in the West Bank at all, and they're, um, they're, it's not part of any agreement with any party that they have to slow them down. In fact, some of the parties involved are in acting in the interest of the settlers. And, um, and you said there is a... a uh, Israeli Arab uh, party in that coalition is it a formal coalition or they're actually just supporting it? Uh, they're pro- providing the, well. They're part of a coalition and the, they're providing supply, and that also means that they have uh, the they have some they haven't made a deal with uh, Netanyahu and Lapid, with Benin and Lapid. The the <clears throat> the parties that have come together, to, uh, as you said, are all of the ones that basically Netanyahu couldn't bring into his own coalition. But it's still very, very unstable. They have wildly different interests. What, What is the basis on which they've come together? And also, I know we probably can't answer this question now, how long will that coalition hold for? Well, they can be quite unstable in Israeli politics, as we know, uh, but they can also be, uh, you can have different diverse interest groups working together and they can be very stable. Uh, usually they give them, give them territory. So they say, okay, you have the interior ministry, you're in charge of finance, that's the way that they do it. So historically, Shas, which is the, Mizra- uh, the Middle East and Mizrahi Jewish party, uh, Orthodox Jewish party for Jews from Arab countries, um, they traditionally held the interior ministry. And then sometimes the, the Russian Jewish party would be in charge of something else. So usually that's how they hold it. They give, them, give each other territory or they agree to pass or not pass legislation, which is the case with, the, with Ra'am, the, uh, the Palestinian party. And so what do you think the Palestinian party will get in this coalition? Like what do you think? Well, it's Palestinian. It's Israeli-Arab Palestinian uh, citizens of Israel, yeah. 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 So what do you think they will ask for? Or what have they said they've asked for? Well, they're not asking for anything that really has to do with the rights of Palestinian citizens in Israel or Palestinian citizens of Israel because, uh, as we know, Palestinian citizens of Israel, they have difficulty in getting housing. They can't live in Jewish areas very often. They can't rent houses. That means they can't work there. But they're not actually lobbying for this. They're lobbying on uh, LGBTI issues. They're wanting to not pass laws 
the, the two laws. They want to restrict same-sex marriage. They, they don't, they're against same-sex marriage. And they also want to pass laws or, or at least allow for gay conversion therapy. These are these, their main goals. So are you, are you trying to tell me that there is a, Palest- a, a Israeli-Arab uh, party in the Israeli government, the current thing, and given all the issues that Israeli-Arabs slash Palestinians face, that this party's main stated goals are those two issues. Yeah, and that's what they went to the election with, and uh, that's what they've been pursuing both with Netanyahu before and also with uh, the current the, the government's form that's forming now. One would have thought it would have been an incredibly, incredibly, incredibly marginal issue to campaign on, given everything that's happening in Israel. Well, this is a surprise of uh, of the Israeli elections and and the the parties that are representing Palestinians as well. That this is their main issue. Um, well, I'm not too sure what I can say to that. It's like doesn't quite fit into. Um, Giselle, you can go for a question. Oh, you know, I was going to go a little bit big and broad and actually declare that um, that that objective. It, it, what it does expose is the failure of um, the left and the working class to intervene in Israel and Palestinian politics. I mean. Uh, I I am one of those participants who goes to the rallies who supports BDS, but I think that overall the left has colossally failed this region and the workers of Israel and Palestine, um, and and that's just indicative of it. I know I know that's a useless statement as well. No, no. I mean, you're, you're totally um, right. I mean, and hopefully, maybe there are a sparks of of improvement. As we've uh, reported in mid May, there was actually a two day general strike all over Israel, Palestine occupied uh, the occupied um, uh, lands and all that. So hopefully, that will actually lead to a you know, a, a, a spark. So uh, just in terms of getting back to what it will mean on, on the ground, I know that Giselle said uh, to the outside it might look very unstable, but possibly only if we look at it in a political sense. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder that globally we can sort of see that formal ideology for whatever reasons is becoming less of, of an issue. And it's all about power and prestige and personalities and, you know, in many, many different countries. And this is to do also with what Giselle said about the the failure and the weakness of the working class. So could it be that this government, even though from the outside it looks like you're a collection of people who should hate each other, just because they're just going to go, we all want power now, and they're all just going to split it up and keep going? Well, uh, that's true. And also the personalities that get voted for in Israel are usually people who present themselves as tough actors because almost every election in Israel is fought on security issues, not on economic issues or anything else. So the idea of I'm the toughest usually pushes people further to the right, but also it creates a certain type of crude personality who um, who comes into charge. And you don't see much difference. I mean, there are great differences between these actors, but when it comes down to their ability to be uh, quite vulgar, the, the, polit- the politicians of Israel are pretty much all following that line. Um, in terms of ideology, everything's going further to the right. But understanding right-wing in Israel, uh, it means your attitude towards the settler movement, also your attitude towards a two-state solution, not believing in a two-state solution, mm-hmm. believing in one Israel. Yeah, and believing, I think, in mass, mass expulsions. That on the extreme end, yes, but that's, that's not saying that groups like Naftali Bennett and others don't believe that. It's more that they don't go there when they talk about it. Yeah, 
So as a as a final question, so um, where will the Palestinians go, and what um, what life would the Palestinian Authority have? They rely a lot on. Uh, well, so the Palestinian Authority itself, of course, has cancelled their own elections, mm-hmm. and the the what's come out of that is that they they decided that Hamas was going to win. So they took the East Jerusalem issue of you know Israel doesn't allow Palestinians in East Jerusalem to vote in Palestinian Authority elections, and they made that the excuse, but. It looks like Hamas itself has more of the uh, authority amongst Palestinians. But like as we saw with the recent war, it ended with a sort of a diplomatic solution, but the status quo remains. It's not, uh, it's not like uh, any, there's any shift in a positive direction or even a, a greatly negative direction. It's just yeah. seems to status quo. And I've seen a lot of reports that there's actually, especially younger Palestinians who don't recognize themselves in either of these two big movements and are trying to organized different but of course it's in a climate of repression where you can get arrested at any time it's very very difficult yeah and you've got the highly corrupt uh, and monopolistic palestinian authority who are going to jump on things like that when they they come up and hamas who have also their own monopoly in a different sense yeah, yeah. all right well that's uh, possibly not a not a very optimistic uh, viewpoint but there you go it's just on oh 29 past nine o'clock how time flies we've really got to go um just you've, a- <clears throat> Just a reminder yes. about Radiothon, uh, that's coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, next week we'll have that interview with India uh, in relation to COVID. Stay tuned to 3CR. Please, please support us. Don't forget to donate money. Um, but I think that's it for Asia Pacific Currents today. I'm Giselle Hanna. I'm James Barry. And I'm Pierre Mora. And we'll be back next week at the same time at 9 o'clock here on your favourite community radio station, brought you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. And stay tuned to 3CR, your favourite community radio station, for Palestine Remembered straight after this short break. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.